You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, before we get started with today's game, just wanted to tell you that we are excited to take part in the second edition of the best trivia calendar in the history of the world. That's right, our friends Jonathan Oaks from Oaks Media Group and Katie Sikelski over at The Inkling have invited us, Triviality, to submit one week full of questions for the 2021 Everyday Q&A Trivia Calendar. If you would like to order this calendar, you can go to triviacalendar.net. And once you get it in the mail, you will see one week full of questions in our triviality style. We hope that you figure out what those questions are and maybe try to figure out which hosts wrote them. But if you'd like to order that calendar, which we very much encourage, please go to triviacalendar.net. And thank you once again to Katie and Jonathan for including us this year. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. I'm Ken, back in the studio at last, and today I'm with Matt over Skype, Jeff, and Neil. How you guys doing? Feeling good. I put it at a brisk 64 degrees in here for Jeff, so you wouldn't uh, sweat to nothing. <laughs> Which like means me. it'll be about 75 in about 12 minutes. Yes. yes. Oh, our door's ajar, though, so it's not going to be the sweat lodge today. Oh, you're right. It won't be the sweat lodge. It's just going to be a nice, balmy 75 and humid. And uh, we're very excited today. Uh, we have a special guest, one of our wonderful Patreon supporters, Tony Schmidt, and he's going to be running today's game. He's from uh, Twin Cities, Minnesota. And I understand you and Neil are having a bit of a rivalry about your favorite team. Yeah, well, I heard uh, Neil is, I believe, played Herky Hawk, which is a real shame because I'm a Minnesota Golden Gopher. Um, but, you know, I think we can we can play nice today. I definitely wrote <laughs> Uh, no Neil questions, um, and I think that might just be coincidence. So, <laughs> and who would win in a fight between a hawk and a gopher in real life? I think I know the answer, but I'll say this: as someone who was Herky the Hawk, uh, if it was the Herky the Hawk costume versus the Goldie Gopher costume, Goldie would definitely kick my ass because you had zero <laughs> visibility. Because, as you know, in the studio, some of my neck problems are from getting whiplash from the 30 pound football helmet. So mm, I see. <laughs> so I would definitely go down quickly and let the gopher, you know, ravage me as gophers do to other gophers. So. All right. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for joining us, Tony, too. I'll, I'll make sure that it's peaceful. And we have a, a Spartan fan in here. So we'll have to get rid of him at some I point. Think the Spartan would beat both the hawk and the gopher. He has a spear. All right. But how would the corn husker do? These are these are the questions that we answer here on Triviality. I was a Spartan in high school, so uh, you know maybe best of both worlds. 
All right. Well, without further ado, I'm ready to get to the game. Are you guys uh, prepared? Uh, yeah, I'm ready as I'll ever be. I'll team up with Matt today. Uh, we always seem to have a good uh, camaraderie here, and maybe we can do some sort of wager. We'll figure out later. But Matt, are you good to team up today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking maybe for a wager. Uh, he's from the Twin Cities. Maybe we'll do some kind of Twinkie eating uh, competition after the Twins. Okay. All right, that's going to be have to uh, – Jeff's going to have to pull the weight on the Twinkie <laughs> eating. I don't believe they're vegan. Are they well, vegan? I'll eat some yeah, Oreos. Something, instead. something tells me there's no real food product in there, so <laughs> – <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's lard in them, but uh, whatever. We'll be team lard today, Jeff. Oh, that hurts a lot, Ken. I stepped on the scale for the first time since quarantine started. <laughs> it's got to do with the Twinkies. Nothing to do with Oh, you. okay, okay. Yeah, and then I think we're just going to take the name after my new favorite football team. We are the Washington Trivia Team. <laughs> All right, well, let's toss it over to uh, the Twin Cities' most famous celebrity, Gilbert Gottfried. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. The cream rise to the top, oh yeah. And that's not true, by the way. I, I don't know where he's from. I don't know where he's <laughs> from either, but I do know that the Twin Cities is named the Twin Cities because every year they do a 24-hour marathon of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Twins. Mm, that's where it comes it's my from. It's my favorite part of the year. Yeah, there you go. It's a festival. The only thing I know about uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, is that's where Atmosphere is from. Yeah, that's right. And I've yeah. seen Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did too, finally, at Riot Fest, which is canceled this year, Matt. I don't know if you heard. Right. R.I.P. All right. Well, let's toss it right over to Tony and get this game started. I'm excited. All right. Well, I'm from Minnesota, so I figured I had to stick in at least a slightly Minnesota-themed question to start. So round one, question one. Minnesota-born Judy Garland was one of the greatest all-around entertainers of her era, but her daughter is no slouch either. Name Judy's daughter, who won the 1972 Academy Award for Best Actress, as well as an Emmy and three Tonys. Despite all of the hardware from her early career, my favorite role of hers is one she played from 2003 to 2019, although some may criticize it as a rather unsteady performance. Yeah, my vertigo is kicking in, and uh, we're going to lock in on this one. Ooh, uh, yeah. Uh, Matt's. this would be Liza Minnelli. Are you good with that? Matt is uh Matt is Matt so is excited fine. about Riot Fest that his mic went down, but I'm going to answer for us. Uh, we're going to go Liza Minnelli, the uh, granddaughter of director Vincente Minnelli, uh, great director of musicals. Yep, and from her performance in Arrested Development as Lucille II, Liza Minnelli. You guys got it, Lucille Ostero, Lucille II, Liza Minnelli. She was on that, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I mother is my new mother, mother. So basically their <laughs> their mom is named Lucille, and she's the older old lady across the hall also named lucille that's funny does she do show tunes or anything like that uh no i don't she maybe does once. a little bit of showboating maybe once but uh she dates one of the one of the other lucille's sons now when <laughs> when renee zellweger gets older is she gonna play her in a second biopic yeah i think so okay yeah all right moving on to question two the parliament of this country known as the all thing is the oldest surviving parliament in the world from 930 to 1798, the all thing met outdoors in the middle of a rift valley. But after a break from 1800 to 1845, it moved to the nation's capital and largest city 
work can still be found today. Jeff gave me a big thumbs up, and uh, I kind of have an inclination on this too, so we're going to lock in. Star scream, get me the all thing. <laughs> That's the all spark. <laughs> uh, Matt, uh, what are you thinking? Um, the only par- parliament I know anything about is uh, the funk band, so that's not very helpful. We want the thing. We want the all thing. Um, I, okay, so uh, I don't know. England has a parliament. I mean. Yeah, but I don't think it'd be England. I doubt it. It's probably too easy. Who else would it? Like maybe Spain? Um, I don't think Spain had a parliament necessarily. I think you're, we would be looking at a something that based their government off the English so something in that area, maybe, maybe <laughs> Scotland or we can go Scotland um, if you want. Yeah, sure, Scotland. All right. Um, well, I don't. Uh, Ken and I haven't had a chance to discuss, but I assume we're on the same wavelength. We know it's certainly one of the older countries. Uh, they got their act together and basically stayed the same for a long time. Um, we're gonna guess Denmark. And Jeff, I'm actually surprised you didn't get this one because I think you've been there. Uh, it's Iceland. Oh, I, see, I, I was thinking Sweden and then maybe Iceland because yeah. it rang a bell in my travels that, that okay. had come up, but I couldn't remember which. And I was like, ah, oh, you picked a Scandinavian country, They're so all, I'm happy with it. I was going to say, yeah, all the Finno-Scandian countries are pretty much the same for they, the last They got their <laughs> together, as it were. All right. Well, on to question number three. The family Day, that's M-U-R-A-E-N-I-D-A-E, Day, consists of around 200 aquatic species, most of which live in saltwater. These creatures have small eyes and wide jaws and hunt by lying in wait and ambushing any small fish or crustacean that has the misfortune to pass their hiding spot. What is the common English name for the family Day? If you're having trouble with the question, singing a Dean Martin tune may help you out. Dean Martin. When the moon hits your eye. Right, Dean Martin, let's see. Matt and I are actually going to lock in. That's Amore? Surprisingly. Okay. So I was thinking maybe a nurse shark. I think that's their MO. Uh, Jeff wrote octopus, which I like too. Well, the reason I, I like that is because the nurse shark is only one, and we're talking about like mm. a, a larger grouping. Yeah. I don't think stingrays do that. What's the Dean Martin? I don't know. That's Who's... calamari. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. Uh, How lucky so. can one eel be? <laughs> Marina. I <died>. shocked her. <laughs> she shocked me. <laughs> All right. Uh, I like octopus. I don't know what the Dean Martin reference is, but uh, okay. let's go with it. You can take it, Matt. Well, it's so funny because you're singing the line, that's a moray, a eel. There's a moray eel. (laughs) So the answer, I believe, is eel. Uh, Well, it's moray eel, but I'm definitely going to give it to you since you said the whole thing. And and although Ken also said the whole thing, I I don't think I can give it to them. No, because we locked in with octopus because we're stupid. (laughs) Sometimes sometimes the circuits just don't line up, Matt. (laughs) I've been working hard all day today. My brain's a little dead, so give me a break. You mean you got up and had breakfast? This is the first day I've worked in four months. Really? Not like gone to work, but I did a lot of work today. Got it. All right. Well, question four. Until 2018, most forms of gambling were illegal in Japan. To fill that gambling niche, gaming parlors popped up around the country after World War II. These parlors house devices that resemble a cross between pinball and slot machines. To play the game, players purchase small metal balls, which are shot into the machine, 
and through a combination of luck and skill, the players can win more metal balls, which can be exchanged for prizes. To get around gambling restrictions, players can select a special prize, which can be sold for cash at a separate establishment nearby. What is the name of this totally not gambling gambling activity? All right, we are going to lock in. I lost 500 yen playing this game <laughs> in 10 minutes, um, which is not bad. That's only five it's like bucks. five bucks. Yeah. So uh, we're going to lock in, I, though I did not understand the game at all. <laughs> That's probably why I lost. I always see these machines in movies. They're, uh, you know, well-lit, very colorful areas. Uh, but Matt, I think you knew the name. I, I couldn't bring it or I couldn't, you know, bring it to the front of my head. So, yeah, I think it. I think it's. Pachinko uh, is either I think Pachinko Hoo-ah! is the, the way to say it. So. <laughs> that is, is Pachino. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> he did uh, Pachino, but uh, Matt is right. It is Pachinko. You got it. It's Pachinko. You're all out of money. You're not gonna play. <laughs> all right. Question five. Formula One is a category of single-seater auto racing that is contested at various racetracks around the world. The teams, known as constructors, each have two drivers. At the end of the season, the constructor that scores the most points is crowned the constructor's champion. Which Formula One team has both the longest history in F1 and by far the most constructors' championships with 16? Be careful if you cheer for this team. You may find yourself in diametric opposition to Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Yeah, we're good. Oh, really? Yeah. Good, because I didn't understand one thing about that except for the movie reference. Is it? It's got to be that guy that uh, the British dude, right? Who wins all the time? With the what he? Uh, man, he he dresses great. He has great leather jackets. I, I mean, love him. Uh, what's his? The, the British guy with leather jackets. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's like he's like a rock star. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Bale, Matt Damon. What would what would what do those two actors? What character have they played the same? Uh, I don't. I'm like having so much. I'm having a brain fart. I don't know. Because it's not. I was like, oh, Batman, but no, it's Ben Affleck, not Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt. Mm. I, I don't think I'm gonna get. It's something Lewis. I think uh, I can see his face. If this is the correct answer, I just I can't. He's got a really cool sounding name too. I, I can't. Uh, I can't come up with it. Okay, so we'll say... Um, what if we just said Lewis, like Jeopardy rules? Maybe it'll work. Luis Guzman. Okay. Well, Jeopardy rules are based on last name. The person you're thinking of is Lewis Hamilton. Yes. Oh. Um, mm. But the question wasn't about the race drivers. Lewis Hamilton drives from Mercedes currently and previously from McLaren. It's the constructor with the most championships. Michael Schumacher did drive for them. It's Ferrari. And uh, that's correct. It's Ferrari. The the clue was a Ford versus Ferrari reference. Oh, oh, okay. I was thinking it was a driver. That's that was my mistake, Matt. Sorry. And Jeff did put his fingers together when he said Ferrari. <laughs> Enzo Ferrari. You can throw a wrench at me, uh, Matt, if you want. It's a movie reference from Ford versus Ferrari. So he saw it, but he didn't <laughs> he pick did. up on it. Yeah. Um. All right. So after five questions, uh, thirty points for Team Lard. And uh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> and 30 points for Team Washington Trivia Team. So I totally forgot. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Tony, are you a big fan of F1? Uh, so my wife and I have gotten really into F1 here this year because there were no other sports on. And it's fantastic because they race at 8 o'clock, uh, eight, 8 in the morning central time. Yeah. So uh, we, we get up on Sunday and make coffee and sit down and watch F1. So it depends great. on where in the world they are, but yeah, no, I love I love F one. You're just having your coffee, and all of a sudden you're 
then your coffee spills <laughs> during this quarantine at 8 a.m i'll still have uh four more hours to sleep on average <laughs> waking up at the crack of noon is well, uh, hopefully Jack says. hopefully maybe next year i can make it to montreal in june and uh and watch it live hmm. there you go all right number six in the case brown v board of education the warren court ruled that separate racially segregated facilities are inherently unequal the board of education of what city was the defendant in Brown? Reluctant. Oh, I was muted. <clears throat> Whoops. Okay. Um, I feel like this was. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's got a mouthful of uh, of. Uh, can we say what it is? I guess full, full Chinese food from yeah. uh, from yeah. a fast in, uh, quick until they pay us. Uh, quick white <laughs> and black large not bear. But shout out to Luis Hernandez. Uh, the um, the patron supporter who mentioned on Patreon that uh, he works at this establishment and we love it. So thank you. Um, all right, Matt, uh, do you know the city? I have an idea, but yeah, I think, I think it's Topeka. Uh, oh, good. I'm pretty sure it's Kansas or somewhere in the Midwest, Kansas or Kentucky, but I think it's Topeka. I was going to say it was either Wichita or Topeka. And if you said Topeka, then let's go with me. Okay. Locked in. Yep. We also locked in with Topeka, Kansas. And points all around. It's Topeka, Kansas. All right. I always liked her on Boy Meets World. <laughs> you know, she you know, she dated uh, Lance Bass when I saw oh, really? at one of the NSYNC shows. She was there by the sound booth, yeah, cheering him on. And then it probably how, crushed. How'd that, how'd that turn out for her? I, I think uh, Topeka met reality, so. I see. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask if you had a Topeka joke lined up, but apparently you did. We always do. <laughs> we always do. Ken's always good for crap and what out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Number seven. While finishing his third symphony in 1803 and 1804, Ludwig van Beethoven dedicated the work to a man who he admired for the democratic ideals the man embodied. By the fall of 1804, Beethoven had withdrawn the dedication and, reportedly, torn the cover page of the beautifully hand-copied manuscript in two because it still bore this man's name. To whom was Beethoven's third symphony originally dedicated? And it really makes you wonder if these guys settled their differences when they were helping the Wild Stallions with their history project in the spring of 1989. All right. Well, that helps. I'm excited. Yeah, I think we can lock in. Yeah. Oh, we can? All yeah. Right. So All Wild right. Stallions, I, I didn't know otherwise. Wild Stallions is um, Bill and Ted. Okay. So a bunch of historical figures come in. Right. I'm just trying to remember which. I'm guessing was Napoleon in there? Napoleon was in there. And 1804 would have been about the time he would have come to power in France and become sort of a tyrant. Okay. Yeah, that works with me. I'm just thinking all the other ones. It's not Socrates? No. Long dead, (laughs) turns out. (laughs) All right, we're going to go with Napoleon. Um, Yeah, thankfully, we've been actually getting quite a few classical questions lately. And uh, one of our listeners, Ben Wolfman, actually reached out with an email with a giant primer on classical. And I believe he plays in the Chicago Orchestra. Is that correct, Neil? Uh, Yeah, he's a a very accomplished musician. And uh, he, uh, yeah, plays here in Chicago uh, for the Lyric Opera. Wow, that's I once, crazy. I once played the sax in high school. I feel very not accomplished. I once played <laughs> drums in a ska band, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is the toilet it's of, the, of it's music. The, it's the whatever the opposite of a pinnacle is. Not uh, not to cut off Matt here, but uh, I had a vocal teacher in high school. I have two of them, but the first one I had uh, worked at the Lyric Opera, and one day we had a very strange session where I couldn't hit a particular high note with enough gusto, and he said, "I want you to sit down, cross your legs, and give me more balls." I was like, whoa, okay. 
16. But uh, anyway, I got the note, so I guess it worked. Yeah, he's a pro. Yeah. Well, on that note, I'll, I don't know how we got to this answer, but it's not. it wasn't through that. I just wanted to shout him out. Uh, it's actually an answer that I guessed all the time early on, and it was usually wrong, but I'm pretty sure this time it's Napoleon. And points all around, it's Napoleon Bonaparte. Hmm. Bill and that Ted. explains why you're such a, a good singer. I didn't realize you had two vocal coaches. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not at the same time, but <laughs> still though. separately, yeah. Because Neil has a very nice singing voice. Thank he, you. He plotted them against each other for, in a competition. <laughs> I was like little finger. I, I'd take one lesson and I'd be like, you know, he's really doing a better job. And then the other. And for less money. <laughs> yeah, right. He got two free lessons by the end of it. <laughs> All right. Number eight El Toro Loco Ice, Ramunition, Wolf's Head, Monster Mutt Dalmatian, and Bakugan Dragonoid are all names associated with what traveling show? I wonder how much seats will set you back these days. So I don't understand the... the oh, I think I know what you little, That's what I was thinking. I don't yeah. understand the quip at the end, do you? wonder Is, how much seats will set you back. But I'm good to lock it with that. Yes. Uh, Matt, we had two guesses up in the air. We had uh, Monster that, Truck and uh, Demunition Derby, right? Yeah. No. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Ramunition um, is a monster truck, and I think I remember it from the time we were on that podcast. Stuff, Stuff I Never Knew. Stuff I Never Knew with Jeff Revilla. Yeah. That's the one. We had, we played a game that was Professional Wrestler Monster Truck, and I'm pretty right. sure Ramunition <laughs> came up. Um, so I'm pretty sure these are monster trucks. We too said monster trucks. And they are monster trucks. They're all from Monster Jam. Uh, the, the quip at the end was specifically a reference to old commercials we used to always get anyway, where they'd say, kids' seats are still just five bucks. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen a monster truck rally. I saw one at the mm -hmm. Allstate when I was like a little, little kid. Really? Yeah, Bigfoot, Gravedigger, all the classics. My favorite monster. Yeah, I wasn't going to give you guys Gravedigger. Oh, yeah, I guess that is the biggest one, right? The most famous one. Um, my favorite monster truck is the one that Brad Wesley sends into the Ford dealership in Roadhouse to destroy all the product. <laughs> Dropping that in there really quick before question like salt. nine. Salt bay. All right, question number nine. A skid steer or skid loader is a piece of equipment that you can find on almost any farm in the U.S. Thanks to its compact design and many available attachments, a skid steer can be used to move pallets, blow snow, dig a trench, or just haul stuff. Although the name skid steer may be foreign to you, you could possibly know this feline brand name that is often used as a shorthand for the machine. Yep, we're good. All right, yeah, I think I know what he's getting at. I've driven a handful of skid steers, and yeah, they are Jeff, fun. Jeff is a very useful man. <laughs> You've driven a handful of skid steers, and I've yes. driven a handful uh, with skids. So, um, Matt, Bobcat possibly? Um, That sounds familiar. I think they're manufactured. This company manufactures them right at, right near where we grew up in Illinois. Because um, I remember when the, the factory was either closing down or moving. Bobcat sounds right. Is it just um, cat? Are there like uh, construction? Well, I, yeah, I'm thinking of the, the logo. Is It's cat, and I think there's something else to it. But maybe it's Bobcat. We can we can guess that. Okay, I'm not like 100% sure, though. I know there's a cat in there. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> okay. We can go Bobcat. I believe the, Bobcat it is. I believe the cat ones are short for Caterpillar. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Which is based out of East Moline, Illinois, I think. But yeah, uh, I've driven a handful of the name brand-ish ones. Uh, much like Kleenexes to Tissue, these are Bobcats. Oh. 
these are bobcats. You got it. And I, I remember as a kid being too young to be driving one, but still driving one. And it was the best thing ever. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be fun to that's, drive that that's around. That's a dream as a kid. Honestly, anything with like the tank style steering is really fun because <laughs> you can just spin on a dime. Yeah, oh, there you go. Around the corner, uh, they were doing construction and a dude was on a huge um, anyway, piece of construction equipment. He was going like 40 miles an hour backwards and then whipped around a corner. It was insane. Like I've never seen that before in my life and I was afraid. Number 10, rivalry trophies are a big deal in college football. The University of Minnesota Golden Gophers are fortunate to play for some of the best in the country. As Neil would know, the Gophers share a 98-pound bronze pig named Floyd with the Iowa Hawkeyes, and they also share a giant axe with the Wisconsin Badgers. But the granddaddy of them all is the oldest traveling trophy game in college foot- football, which the Gophers play against the Michigan Wolverines. What trophy do these two teams play for? Despite the name, the trophy is a pretty good size, and one half is painted Michigan maize and blue, while the other half is Minnesota maroon and gold. I have no idea on this one, Jeff. Not my forte. So unless it's that the, the platypus or whatever, I'm out. Should we take a tap on this, or you want to... He said it's it's pretty... Despite it's... Yeah, it probably sounds like it should be small, but it's big. So how about a Monopoly piece? How about the thimble? Interesting choice. I like it. All right, we're guessing the, the thimble. Okay, Matt and I were discussing. Um, Matt was right to say to me that uh, it was a jug. I can't remember the exact name. It's either... Um, I think it's a little brown jug. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little jug or a little brown jug. So I think it... Yeah, little brown jug does sound right because they like they put like diamonds on it and uh, uh, they paint it, like you said. Um, when when Yeah, anyway, I think it's a little brown jug. College sports are weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is the little brown jug. Uh, I don't know about putting diamonds on it, but uh, we don't have the little brown jug very often, so I, I guess I wouldn't know for sure. After round one, it looks like uh, Team Lard has 70 points and uh, Team Washington Trivia Team with 80 um, before we throw it to Tony for the swing round. Uh, Matt, where can people find us on social media and what should they do when they get to the crop? For everyone listening, Matt has a giant uh, mouthful of orange chicken, so he can't talk. But he would have told you to go over to The Crop on Facebook, join everyone to talk about episodes and uh, everything else that's going on. But most importantly, uh, send us some questions there uh, called The Crop Drop, which we can use on our Patreon bonuses each month, sort of like an Ask Me Anything. Uh, So send all those questions to trivialitypodcast at gmail.com with the subject line Crop Drop. And follow us on all social media at TrivialityPod. And they can be trivia questions. They don't have to be just AMA style. So whatever you want to ask us, we will read. Right. Tony said he had 50 questions, a, a trivia gulag of sorts. Uh, he can send that over if he wanted. And we'll just spend five hours answering questions. Well, I'll, I'll cut 40 of them off for you guys today just to just to try and you know, make the time. That sounds good. So what do you have in store for us today? All right. Well, you know, during COVID, we've all been kind of cooped up. So I figured uh, today would be a a good time to do a little traveling around the world. Uh, I'm going to give you the name of a person and you have to give me the major metropolitan area with an airport named after that person. So, for example, if I gave you Edward Butch O'Hare, you'd give me Chicago. 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 Are you ready? Let's go. Ready for takeoff. (laughs) All right. Number one is Lester Mike Pearson. Number two is Bob Hope. Number three is Leonardo da Vinci. Number four is Indira Gandhi. Number five is Edward Lawrence Logan. Number six is George H.W. Bush. 
Number seven is Franz Liszt. Number eight is John Wayne. Number nine is Louis Armstrong. And number 10 is Benazir Bhutto. You know who could help me out here is my friend Austin, who works for the airline. But uh, he could. We're going to struggle, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police like <laughs> she should have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We made a lot of guesses here, but all of our answers are locked in. So let's see if we can get a little lucky here. All right. Number one, Lester, Mike Pearson. All right. So based completely on a guess... I happen to know that the Rush song YYZ is written about Toronto Pearson's airport, so we guessed Toronto. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Matt and I had some game theory. We thought maybe this would be Minneapolis uh, for Tony, so we went Minneapolis. And Jeff got it right. It is YYZ Pearson. All right, number two, Bob Hope. Um, we are pretty sure this one's in California. We thought maybe it was just one of the L.A. regional airports. We guessed L.A. Uh, this one's a little bit north of L.A. I don't know if you want to count it, but it's technically in Burbank. We we are going to count L.A. Uh, I said major metropolitan area, but yeah, it's in Burbank, uh, Los Angeles metro area. Uh, number three, Leonardo da Vinci. I um, think that one's in Rome. We were debating between Florence and Rome. Uh, didn't quite know, but we lead, uh, leaned toward Florence. Uh, and Leonardo da Vinci is in Rome. Number four, Indira Gandhi. Um, based on her legacy with the Gandhi family, we thought it had to be a major metropolitan city in India. We had uh, thought maybe it might be Mumbai, but we eventually locked in New Delhi. 
And we are hoping you're correct because we also said New Delhi. Points all around. You guys picked the right one. It's New Delhi. Number five, Edward Lawrence Logan. Yeah, this is by far our dumbest guess. Uh, so I'm going to take this one because that's my job. <laughs> um, so we figured this was Logan Airport. Uh, Logan is the Wolverine. Wolverines are in Michigan. And uh, we said Detroit. Good reasoning there. Um, <laughs> Not really. <laughs> It's uh, reasoning. So it's some kind of reasoning. If everyone listening here, you wouldn't have got the gem that was the uh, road trip episode where we were actually driving recording. Um, if we would have flown here, so this would be Boston. And it is Boston. Number six, George H. W. Bush. Um, I know this one's in Texas. Uh, we think this is Houston. Mm-hmm. We also thought it was in Texas, but we went with Fort Worth. And uh, Team Lard went the right way. It is in Houston. Wow, Jeff, you carried us. Yeah. I'm already impressed. Number seven is Franz Liszt. I think this one's Prague. I did not fly to Prague, so I don't know. But hopefully you're right. Yeah, this one uh, we didn't know. Uh, but uh, Matt and I both enjoy a, a good uh, frolic uh, with some leather and such. So we said Berlin. You guys were in the right part of the world and even the right part of Europe. Uh, Franz Liszt is a Hungarian composer. It's Budapest. Budapest. Sorry, Ken. That's all right. That's right. You got five other of these right so far, so I'm happy. Number eight is John Wayne. Uh, We figured this one might be in Texas as well, and this time we said Austin. So we were thinking that originally, too, and then we guessed uh, Orlando. I guess we were feeling lucky, but we're probably not... um, Said Orlando. So I was a little tricky on this one. Uh, John Wayne Airport is in Santa Ana, California, which is Orange County. So I would have accepted Orange County or L.A. I didn't know that one, Matt. That was my bad. I, I wasn't thinking L.A. Yeah, when we were talking about Bob Hope, I was like, are there two L.A. ones on here with John Wayne? So I think that one might get renamed. They're thinking about it. The one in Orange County, uh, John Wayne? Yeah, because he's yeah. a racist. So. so are you saying that someone it's going to be existing and then some sort of cowboy is going to come up from behind and just take everything and steal it like Approx- a stagecoach. Approximately. It's now like the that, yeah. Dak Prescott Airport, <laughs> where when you have to go through security, you have to throw your hips out. No, it's literally a fill your hand with your baggage, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number nine, uh, Louis Armstrong. Can't remember where Louis Armstrong's from. There was a big jazz scene in Kansas City. Jazz. Never flew into Kansas City. <laughs> Why? Because the way he, he just let the big jazz. He went to the big jazz. And I just heard like the guy like, yeah, you like jazz. <laughs> so I guess Kansas City. Uh, yeah, we, uh, uh, did I do the, no, I didn't do the last one. Yeah, so uh, Louis Armstrong uh, makes me think of jazz, as uh, Jeff said, but we went with New Orleans. Well, Kansas City is the worst airport I've ever been in, but that's not the answer. It's New Orleans. Uh, number number 10, Benazir Bhutto. Um, Benazir Bhutto, I think, was the only female prime minister of Pakistan before she was assassinated. So we guessed the city of Karachi. Yeah, we had uh, absolutely no idea. Originally thought you said Bluto, the uh, enemy of Popeye. I had no idea. So we said Athens. And this probably was the toughest one. Benazir Bhutto was the prime minister of Pakistan, but uh, the airport's in Islamabad. Ah, the capital. You know, Jeff didn't have to bring up the assassination, but he did anyways. (laughs) That's his job. All right. uh, Team Washington trivia team picked up 20 points, and Team Lard Lard, picked up 
Lard. 25 <laughs> points, <laughs> bringing our totals to 95 for Lard and 100 for Washington Trivia Team. All right, round two. Uh, question number one. The TV series Rawhide was a Western that aired on CBS from 1959 to 1965. In addition to having a theme song that's an absolute banger, this show was the breakout TV role for which actor who would go on to break into film as an unnamed character in an Italian movie? Uh, Locked in? Yeah, I think I got this answer. Uh, yeah, we're going to go with uh, one of my favorites, uh, Clint Eastwood. Yep, the man with no name, Clint Eastwood. You guys all picked up on the clue. It's Clint Eastwood. And I know whenever uh, Neil gets fussy, I usually toss him a rawhide on the floor <laughs> and he grabs it with his teeth. I do. Yeah, I, I whip it around like a, a dog who's found a rat in the alley. <laughs> on to number 12. Ben Curtis is a Tennessee-born actor who, among other credits, had roles in a 2005 off-Broadway comedy called Joy, a 2006 short film called Raccoon, and a 2011 film called Spy. Curtis is best known to most people for promoting this tech brand between 2000 and 2003. These ads featured a catchphrase that, let's face it, sounds a lot less hip today. Any any inkling on this, Jeff? Well, we're locked in, actually. We figured it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I have no idea on this one. But they figured it out. So what does Matt like that would have been <laughs> stupid in the early 2000s? If these guys could figure it out, we could figure it out. <laughs> it was a, a hamster dance machine. Um, oh, about, my like, God. AOL? I'm going to have that stuck in my head for years now. Like AOL yeah, or something? Uh, I mean, the You Got Mail stuff was late 90s. I mean, that's not a bad guess. I don't recall these ads just from the question. I and I don't like, know the actor, so. Yeah. I don't know. All right, let's guess AOL. Hello, and I'm just kidding. Matt, go ahead. You can take it. Um, I just texted Neil one word, dude. Um, I guess we're getting a Dell. You said Dell computers. Mm, that guy. <laughs> it is Dell. Uh, ben Curtis is the dude you're getting a Dell guy. Yeah, and your game theory was spot on. It was a, a stupid reference from the early 2000s. That's what we picked up on. What, didn't he go to jail, by the way? I don't know. I think he got arrested for something. I'm not going to slander this man. I think he, for no reason. I think that he didn't have enough computing power and was behind bars for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I heard that rumor too, but I think that's just a like something that comes out in high school because like I I, uh, I looked and I didn't see any criminal record. Oh well. He... <laughs> I like that you researched it though. You and him you and Mike from background. Life Serial. Well, then the <laughs> our official uh, stance here is that uh, the only the only thing he was a criminal of was being able to sling a good catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> all right number 13 uh grand duke henri and his wife maria Theresa rule over which small european nation the only remaining grand duchy in the world this one rings a bell locked so locked <laughs> <laughs> if you can't get this neil i'm gonna blow my brains out right now in front of you wow luxembourg is it is it luxembourg Oh no, yeah, I don't the, know. Or that's the one Ken always does. Like the uh, you have a golden opportunity to get it wrong on purpose, so we get his share of the show. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, yeah, he always does the uh, the or whatever. The King of Luxembourg, or whatever he does. Um, yeah, I mean, the Duchy if, of Westphalia. <laughs> we can go Luxembourg if you want. I was going to say Netherlands, but uh, that's probably just too easy. So we can go Luxembourg. All right, and for the third time, Luxembourg. 
All right, the answer is Luxembourg. I love these Luxembourg questions, man. Have you ever been to Luxembourg? I have not. Okay. All right, number 14. On May 30th, SpaceX became the first private company to launch a crewed vehicle into orbital spaceflight when its Demo-2 mission lifted off carrying NASA astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley. History could have turned out differently, however. Another company is also under contract to fly crewed missions for NASA using its Starliner vehicle. But due to delays caused by a myriad of technical problems, no crewed flights have taken place. This is not particularly surprising given some of the major issues this company has had with another of its gravity-defying product lines. Name the company. Uh, yeah, we are locked in with a guess here. Matt? Uh, I'm going to allow you, Neil. Uh, just, just read your text to me. <laughs> Matt and I, uh, we apologies, apologies, Jeff. Matt and I at the exact same time said, make a virgin joke about Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we didn't. We just said we were going to. So we're going to lock in with virgin too. Yep. There's nothing wrong with saving it, but (laughs) 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 we also went with virgin. I love you guys. Well, the answer is not nearly that entertaining. Uh, (laughs) So the answer to this one is uh, the the other gravity-defying product line that had issues was the 737 MAX. It's Boeing. Oh, man. I thought Branson was right on top of that. In uh, in high school, my freshman year, there was a guy who thought Virgin, like Richard Branson, that he named the company Virgin because he was a virgin and he was celibate. Hmm. (laughs) That's what he thought. Could be. Could be, I guess. I don't know. But I doubt it. (laughs) Why do you doubt it? (laughs) I've heard Neil say before that that man can get it. So <laughs> he can. I mean, he's got an island. He's got a lot of nice planes. He's got a boat. He's got a long, luscious uh, bed of hair. Maine. Maine. Very confident man. You're we right. We thought he had a spaceship, but he's apparently of, not. He's one of those men who could be in a Bond movie as either a fellow agent or the villain, and it would work either way. His choice. Dealer's choice. Yeah. All right. Number 15. She started her career as a production assistant at WJZ-TV in Baltimore. Since that time, she has worked as a reporter, news anchor, and talk show host. Currently, she co-hosts the morning news program CBS This Morning, a job she's had since 2012. Name this newswoman who, for much of her career, was most well-known for the company she keeps. We're, we're going to lock in. Oh, I was close. You were close. Yes. Those kind of sounded like Oprah for a little while there, but then it stopped sounding like Oprah. Oh, because of the Stedman? Uh, not necessarily, just like the credentials wow. talk show host. Yeah. Because this is, isn't this the CBS morning show? Is that what we're talking about? Or it's just a CBS morning show? I don't know. I like I said, I get up at noon, so I don't know the I don't <laughs> know the programming before the price. Well, because Barbara Walters is on. The, is that the view? The view, yeah. Yeah. With like it's the show Good Morning Ken at one p.m. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about Kelly Ripa? I don't know. We'll say Kelly Ripa. Bad Matt, guess. Matt, your Michael Strahan thing was funny because it it makes me think of how great it would be if every interview that you know he was playing football, he maybe hit his head a little too many times, and he like went into football talk, and he's like, "So how do you how do you get rid of a fumble?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> anyway, you can uh, you can take it, Mac. At uh, Mac. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so um, like Ken, I thought at the beginning it sounded a lot like Oprah. Uh, I believe she just started as a predict- production assistant and kind of worked her way up to a talk show. Um, but that's because it, I think it was the person who kept company with Oprah, Gail King. So we locked in with oh. Gail King. 
The answer is Gail King. It sounded a lot like Oprah because they both worked at WJZ TV in uh, Baltimore. That's right. Well, at least I'm comforted by the fact that I didn't know her last name. So we wouldn't have gotten it right anyways. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you were close. Okay. It uh, looks like Team Lard uh, is going to have uh, 20 more points, bringing them to 115. And Team Washington Trivia Team adding 30 points, bringing us to 130. All right. Number 16. When it comes to Olympic medals, there are a number of countries that are the real overachievers, the common bond being they're all wealthy European nations. But of course, there are underachievers as well. What country, known for its insanely high population density, is the most populous country to have won no Olympic medals at all? Locked in. Jeff talks about this one sometimes. Uh, do you have any idea, Matt? I think Mongolia is known for having a really high population density. Um, were you thinking something else? No, I, I, it, that didn't ring a bell, but, um, if it is ringing a bell for you, I'm sure you're on the right track. Yeah. I'm trying to think if it's another, or if it's a South Pacific country. Um, but I, I think this is, I know they have a huge population and they, I never, I don't know the Mongolian national anthem. So I assume it's because they've never won a medal. Um, <laughs> uh, that would be the only reason clearly. Uh, so we can lock in with Mongolia. Um, I think the reason that they've never won a medal is because they have a population of about 3 million people and they're the most sparsely populated uh, country on earth. By density. So that was By the density. opposite of what I was Correct. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the one you're looking for, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is Bangladesh. And that is the one they were looking for. It's Bangladesh. No, no Bangladesh jokes, guys? <clears throat> No. Uh, separated from uh, West Pakistan in 1971. I said yeah. jokes. So you, would, you would think they would have won the 100 yard flank of Bangladesh. Oh, uh, there we go. All right, let's 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 move it along here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. That's funny. I don't that, care. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. Bronze medal for that joke. <laughs> Number seven. Which character portrayed by Richard Belzer from 1993 to 2016 is the only fictional character played by a single actor? to physically appear on 10 different television shows. Although this character appeared in a number of different genres, including sitcoms, Arrested Development and 30 Rock, Sci-Fi, The X-Files, and late-night comedy, Jimmy Kimmel Live, he is best known for appearing in 241 episodes of an NBC drama. So name the character. Okay, we are locked in. And Jeff seems to know here. So I, th I, th I think it's Detective Munch, Belzer? Which one is it? Belzer, Any of these ring a bell? You said Belzer. Mm -hmm. Belzer is the actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, I think it's... They were on Arrest Development? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he started... I think it was originally Homicide, and then he ended up on All the Law and Orders amongst many other shows around that time. But I believe it's Detective Munch. That's the character. Yeah, it's Detective John Munch. He's best known for uh, 241 episodes of Law and Order SVU. And I have seen mm -hmm. parts of all of those episodes as USA reruns them on my brother's TV every time I stop by. All right. <laughs> Number eight. In a recent announcement, it was revealed that the name of the new Seattle NHL team will be the Kraken. The Kraken will take the ice in 2021, 104 years after a different Seattle professional hockey team won the Stanley Cup. This other Seattle team played from 1915 to 1924 and had a nickname that is today more closely associated with various cultural and athletic institutions in New York City. What was this name? Bonus hint. 
This nickname is also the name of a former home of the Minnesota Twins and Vikings. I think I can lock in with this one, actually. Great. My original thought is that I think it was the Seattle Pilots, but that might have been their original baseball team. Um, I know that there was a big push for Sockeyes, um, and they said it was because of um, history, but I don't know. Uh, Do you want to go with just Pilots? That sounds good to me. All right, we are actually going to go with the Seals. All right, the clue is various cultural and athletic institutions in New York City. You've got the uh, Metropolitan Opera, the Met Museum, and, of course, the New York Mets. Uh, it's the Metropolitans. Mm. Mm. Okay. Was there a Seattle Seals? Yeah, I think there were the Golden Seals or something like that. How many teams do they the have? Seals. Or no, it's Cal- California Golden Seals. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Number nine, the 1961 film Breakfast at Tiffany's inspired a 1995 song by this one-hit wonder band from Denton, Texas. Hmm. You could always enlist the help of a chess-playing supercomputer to answer this question. Or you could, you know, just Google it. We're locked in. Is this uh, Deep Blue something, right? Maybe. It's either, I always mix up the bands who sing uh, She's So High and... This That's song. Tal Bachman. Tal Bachman, okay. <laughs> I love you. So I, think <laughs> I love then, you so much. I think it's Deep Blue something. I don't know why I'm saying That's popping in my head. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, I know, I know the, t- the tune. Does that help? Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's is uh, She's I So High. No. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, that's she's so I high. said what about this film it's really really racist it has something oh, anyway <laughs> um, yeah so uh, I think it's deep, deep blue, blue something. something that's fine yeah yep and we said deep blue something and that's it it's deep blue something yeah they didn't I, have any other hits right I love I 90s one hit so. wonders counting yeah. blue cars by Dishwalla um, there's so many there's, there's so many. a lot of really good Gotta ones I love the 90s guys flagpole sitta Harvey Danger yeah, Eagle Eye Cherry Sheik. Saved a Night ooh that one's a personal favorite of mine, Matthew. <laughs> Who sang the song about Jim Carrey and and you know what I'm talking about? Uh, where it's like, uh, she don't care about my money. Oh, she, she likes, likes me, me for, for me. me. Yeah. Hey, Leonardo. That's it. Hey, Leonardo. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the artist. <laughs> the album that Breakfast at Tiffany's is on, I think it's called Halo. Uh, it is the most just like 90s generic rock album ever. I mean, everyone sounds like, you know, you could just have the artist would be 90s rock band. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, in honor of this question, I'm going to throw on the uh, self-titled Third Eye Blind on my way back uh, back home. There you go. For one I'm gonna, song. I'm going to play Eve Six. All right. That's a good one, too. <laughs> All right. Let's close this uh, sucker up. All right. Last question of the second round, number 10. Katie Bowman is an American engineer and educator whose work set the internet abuzz in June 2019 when it resulted in the first ever images of what? We're good. All right, How many times am I going to get this question wrong? They're locked in. Um, I think she ha- she had the picture of the black hole, right? Of a black hole? Oh, that's right. We got the last time we got it wrong was we didn't know her name after they asked what who took the picture. I think. Yeah, because now I I know her name and I remember it. it she had the the picture that no one's ever seen before. Yeah, I think it's the black hole. Okay. Or a black All right. hole. Yep, we're gonna switch to Soundgarden on the way home now, and we're gonna go black hole. <laughs> All right, and uh, yep, the answer is uh, black hole. I think the the picture that went viral is of her uh, seeing the picture for the first time on her computer. 
It's very close going into the final round. 155 points for Lard and 160 points for the Washington trivia team. Wow. Yeah, very close. Uh, very close. So it's all going to come down to wagers. So, uh, Tony, what are our categories today? All right. Uh, your categories for the final round. Number one, hey, Tony, that swing round was the best. Do you have another question about airports? Number two, Man of Steel. Number three, the best Disney movie. Number four, barely a sports question. And number five, a classic Kelly Clarkson hit. I've been waiting for a moment like this. <laughs> All right, the wagers are locked in. And before we get to those questions, uh, I opened the fortune cookie from my uh, Chinese food earlier. And it did say, I will soon embark on a lucrative business venture. Hey. So um, while I'm waiting for that to happen, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about Patreon? All right. Well, Patreon, as you may know, is our voluntary subscription service where you can donate directly to Triviality Podcast. If you are interested in helping the show monetarily, check out our great perks over there. We recently redid the names, added some wonderful additions there. It's where you're going to find all of our bonus episodes and many, many other great things. So check it out. Links in the show notes. Triviality Podcast is uh, on uh, patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, That was good <laughs> until that point. All right, Tony, take it away. All right, time for the final round. Uh, question number one was, hey, Tony, that swing round was the best. Do you have another question about airports? When construction began on this airport in 1943, it was commonly known as Idlewild after the golf course it displaced. The official name later changed to Anderson Field, but Idlewild remained the most commonly used term right up until the airport officially adopted its current name on December 24, 1963. This one stuck. Number two, Man of Steel. Although Joseph Stalin was responsible for projecting Russian power and influence throughout the world, he himself was not a Russian. Instead, Stalin would have had this small Eurasian country on his mind when thinking of his birthplace. Number three, the best Disney movie. What is the best Disney movie? Lion King. Despite being the best Disney movie, The Lion King only won two Academy Awards. Elton John and Tim Rice won Best Original Song for Can You Feel the Love Tonight, and this prolific composer won Best Original Score. Despite having composed the music for over 150 films, this remains his only Academy Award win. He does have 10 other nominations, though, including one as recently as 2018. Number four, barely a sports question. Two Pac-12 schools have a total of three mascots that are bears. One is the incredibly creepy Oski the Bear, and the other two are a pair of brown bears named Joe and Josephine, who serve as the mascot for this university, which is a sister school of sorts to Oski's alma mater. And number five, a classic Kelly Clarkson hit. That which does not kill us makes us stronger is an aphorism commonly attributed to which nihilistic philosopher who, ironically, suffered from severe mental illness, vascular dementia, and strokes, none of which killed him, but all of which left him in a severely weakened state. It was pneumonia which finally caused his death in 1900 at the age of 55. All right, we will mull these over and be right back. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. 
you'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All the answers are now locked in, so hopefully, um, hopefully we'll pull through here get some points and uh you can uh not eat twinkies but either way i think i'm gonna have some oreos with some oat milk but uh, let's see how we did in this last uh last round all right uh, let's hear those final round questions one more time number one when construction began on this airport in 1943 it was commonly known as idlewild after the golf course it displaced the official name later changed to anderson field but Idlewild remained the most commonly used term right up until this airport officially adopted its current name on December 24th, 1963. This one stuck. Boy, we had no idea on this one, so we're just going to say Christmas Eve Airport. And what was your wager? Uh, zero. All right, we wagered 30 all the way down, uh, being very aggressive. Uh, I think this actually was one of the people that we were talking about earlier when we were talking airports. Uh, we said JFK. And it is JFK. The clue was uh, December 24th, 1963 is when the name changed. All right, uh, number two. Although Joseph Stalin was responsible for projecting Russian power and influence around the world, he himself was not a Russian. Instead, Stalin would have had this small Eurasian country on his mind when thinking of his birthplace. Yep, we grabbed the clue out of this one for 30 points. We're saying Georgia. Yeah, it took us a, a very long time to pick up on that clue, but eventually we did, and uh, we said Georgia. And he did have Georgia on his mind. Number three, what's the best Disney movie? Lion King. Despite being the best Disney movie, The Lion King only won two Academy Awards. Elton John and Tim Rice won Best Original Song for Can You Feel the Love Tonight, and this prolific composer won Best Original Score. Despite having composed the music for over 150 films, this remains his only Academy Award win. He does have 10 other nominations, though, including one as recently as 2018. Yeah, this one was difficult. We did wager 30 on it. Um... Thinking of prolific composers, uh, Hans Zimmer comes to mind. I remember him being nominated a lot, but I don't quite remember him on the stage a lot. So we went with Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, uh, known for putting a ticking clock in the score for Dunkirk and getting nominated for some reason, um, also composed Lion King and I think believe won for it. So that's what we went with. All right. Points all around. It was Hans Zimmer. 
Now I can feel the love tonight. Number four, <laughs> two Pac-12 schools have a total of three mascots that are bears. One is the incredibly creepy Oski the bear, and the other two are a pair of brown bears named Joe and Josephine, who serve as the mascots for this university, which is a sister school of sorts to Oski's alma mater. So we wagered 15 on this one, and we think uh, the two schools in question are UCLA. They're the Bruins. But we went with Cal, good old Aaron Rodgers, uh, alma mater. They are the Bears. Yeah, after um, kind of listening to the question, again, uh, we were between UCLA and um, University of Cal. It would make sense that the University of California, Los Angeles, would be the sister school. So it's probably Bruins, but we locked in with the Cal Bears. Well, it's Joe and Josephine Bruin, so it's UCLA. I never asked for their last name. (laughs) Number five, that which does not kill us makes us stronger, is an aphorism commonly attributed to which nihilistic philosopher who, ironically, suffered from severe mental illness, vascular dementia, and strokes, none of which killed him, but all of which left him in a severely weakened state. It was pneumonia which finally caused his death in 1900 at the age of 55. Once again, I do think it's coming down to this final question. We need to get it right, and they need to whiff. Um, we wagered 15 points, and we said Nietzsche. Um, so, yeah, we wagered 30, and uh, when I'm thinking about nihilism, I'm thinking Nietzsche. So we said Nietzsche. And it is Nietzsche. I'm feeling a little nihilistic about the outcome of this game. <laughs> I I fear that I've become the monster myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Team Lard picking up 60 points in that final, bringing their total to 215. But the Washington trivia team picking up 90 points, bringing our total to 250 and making us today's cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Good job, guys. Currently unbeatable. Yeah. So we'll we'll find some vegan Twinkies for you. Um, So what's what's the challenge? What do we have to do? Just... Be gluttons for a few minutes. Just eat a Twinkie? What does it matter? Just eat as many Twinkies as they can eat before they fall over? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> we'll get we'll get a large amount of Twinkies and Jeff will eat them and then... Well, and we, then we have to make it like a Joey Chestnut thing. You got to do it within like two no. minutes. Yeah, it'll look It'll be fine. I'll, I'll have an Oreo and I'll <laughs> dip it in some oat milk. As you have said. to rip the Twinkies in half and dip them in water. I think that's how you eat them faster. Oh, God. I like that. That's <laughs> disgusting. But what was not disgusting was this uh, great game. We appreciate Tony for coming on. Um, any shout-outs that you want to give? Yeah, I wanted to thank all of my friends and family that uh, you know persevered reading through that game and the long questions to try and uh, – proof it for me and then i really want to do a shout out to the people in the crop who uh offered to play test it especially sean bernstein kelsey barkham and dave nelson who all gave me really good uh question by question feedback that is some good company right there and of course we want to thank you for your ongoing patreon support uh that'll bring today's episode to a close so for tony matt jeff neil and myself that was triviality for the swing round. Uh, Matt, where can people find us on social media and what should they do when they get to the crop? <laughs> Hold on, I'll take it. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> He's eating again. Matt. He's going to choke and die in orange chicken. Oh, for the Yeah, for the listeners, Matt was just had a huge mouthful of orange chicken and uh, could not take the uh, transition there. But uh, what Matt was going to say is, hey, everybody, uh, come over to the crop and do a drop, drop crop, crop drop. I can't even say it. <laughs> It was a crap drop. Uh, anyway, let me start that over.